the year of 2020 has been crazy, and there's been a lot of headlines completely dominated by the COVID-19 pandemic. But there's a few headlines that have actually risen to the top related to e-commerce, and one of them is talking about hand sanitizer and price gouging. Our guest in the podcast today is going to tell his story about hand sanitizer, and we're going to discuss the difference between capitalism and price gouging and where things might go from right to wrong. You're going to love this episode. See you inside. Hi, I'm Tim Jordan, and in every corner of the world, entrepreneurship is growing. So join me as I explore the stories of successes and failures. Listen in as I chat with the risk takers, the adventurous, and the entrepreneurial veterans. We all have a dream of living a life fulfilling our passions, and we want a business that doesn't make us punch a time clock, but instead runs around the clock, in the AM and the PM. So get motivated, get inspired. You're listening to the AM PM Podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the AMPM podcast. We're covering a really interesting e commerce topic today, one that is uh, not anything I ever thought I'd have to talk about. And, you know, going into 2020, who would have ever guessed that this would be a topic we would talk about? But I have a, a, a really cool dude as a guest today, Lance Wolf from Pennsylvania. How you doing, Lance? I'm good. Haven't uh, seen each other since China, right? I think that's, that's the last it. time in the flesh. That's it. Yeah, Lance and I have uh, we've seen each other at a few conferences over the few over a few years, and he came on one of my China trips with me. We got to know each other there and hang out, and he found some cool products, and he is living the e-com lifestyle dream, so to speak, right now. So, Lance, what I'd like for you to do is just kind of tell us briefly, just to kind of set the stage of who Lance is, and then we're going to get into this really controversial hot topic, but set the stage, you know, how you got to where you are right now, sitting in a garage. We just had another guest, the same situation, sitting in a garage full of stuff, but uh, you're a full-time arbitrage seller. So what were you doing prior to selling on e-commerce? How did you find the e-commerce, Amazon selling? And, and you know, what are you doing now currently to support your family? You know what? I almost feel like um, I've been doing this so long that you know when you've been doing something for so long, it's like all you know at this point. So if anything ever happened, I'm stuck with this. I have to make it work. So it's one of those things where you've just been doing it for a long, long time. And it started back, I always had an interest in in finding products and, and discrepancies in products, trying to find A for a certain price and selling it for another price, you know, where I can make money, make profit. Um, I did the whole college thing that was kind of forced, you know, I'm probably going to force my boy too when he gets older, um, just to get that paper, you know, um, got through college, struggled, was never the straight A student, um, was very ADD, just had my head, just so many different thoughts. Uh, you can see that right now as I'm, I'm trying to explain like how this all began. So I really transitioned into, okay, you go to college, you get the office job. So my sister at the time was working the office job. Um, it was an internet development company. This is like pre-Shopify where you're actually creating all these modules and tools for people. And I was actually pretty good at it. Um, they would send me to different offices and, and I would train people on how to use the software, like John Hopkins professors and all kinds of stuff. So it was interesting. I liked it because I'm really, I like to talk to people, but I found it a little bit redundant, boring. Um, many times where you'd find me sleeping at the desk. <laughs> so I got to a point, I'm like, okay, I, I really want to work 
for myself, kind of be my own boss. Um, and I started to look into different things. I got into real estate. Um, I was a realtor for a year and it was during the crash. This was when they had the interest only loans actually take that back a year is when they had the interest only loans, which I would have loved to get into real estate. Then I got in right when that was over. So first year, I think I made like 20,000 bucks and I was still living at the parents. So I didn't care. I was like, okay, this is cool. You know? Um, but I, I always had a desire to do something more bigger than myself. Um, and I literally, this is not made up. I got on Google and I Googled how to get rich, how to make money. And of course you get ad, 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 ad. I didn't know what that was at the time. Um, so this one thing comes up about online selling and I'm like, okay, this is interesting. And I, I assume that happens to people like me every day, every minute. People were always looking up this online business, e-commerce. Um, so I started to dive into it and I started a, the way a lot of my fellow sellers started with the books going to book sales, looking for books, selling them online. Um, and then Chris Green came along with the software where you could start scanning um, toys and electronics. And when I say scan, I mean you use a little app on your phone and you can find out like what that product goes for online. Um, years and years of doing that really evolved into um, learning new things, learning new techniques. And there wasn't this information stuff then. There might have been like a few guys. I remember like the eBay doctor. This was years ago. You'd see him like on late night TV. Um, but you didn't have the information. You really had to figure it out on your own. Um, so this was pre-FBA. If there's people out there who have never sold on Amazon, FBA is sending all this inventory, all this crap into Amazon and letting them deal with it. When I first started, you had to ship out all your orders. So I would have stacks of orders like this. I was still living at home at the time. My dad would help me every night. We would get in fights after fights after <laughs> fights because we're always bumping heads. He's, he's very systematic. And I was like, come on, just do it. I'm a do it, screw up guy. So that's really how I ran my business for years and years. And that's how I would learn by screwing up. Um, so let's take this to... A couple of years ago, two, three years ago, I stumbled upon a really, really good business. Um, I was selling textiles, bed pillows, um, sheets, anything that had to do with like home and kitchen type, you know, stuff for the bedroom. Yeah. And at this point, if I remember the story correctly, you aren't just reselling stuff. It's not just arbitrage. You were actually sourcing products yeah. from China, selling private label stuff. And, and you yeah. were bringing in, they were like organic bamboo fiber bed pillows, right? Like, weren't you one of the first first couple guys that really hit that trend? Oh my gosh. The the bamboo pillows were absolutely insane. You would just like, as soon as you had a couple guys review the product, you're already like ranking on page one for bamboo pillow, which is obviously a humongous um, keyword that people were searching for. Cause it was like the trendiest thing at the time. Oh, get your bamboo pillow. And these things were literally made of like 1% not even bamboo. It's like the stuff that's extracted from the bamboo. So they were, they were pretty junky, but they were selling. <laughs> and this was at a time where you could do that. You could take any product. AMS was just like making, there's millionaires everywhere. And the, remember the amazing selling machine? Yep. 
So I was kind of inspired by that. So that's, that's like you said, I got into private label and I started working with manufacturers, but anyhow, it turned into a multi-million dollar business, um, which I was able to profit really well too. And I was kind of like, okay, I finally made it. I started this thing in 2006. This was 2016. So 10 years, I'm like, all right, I deserve it. I almost had this entitled feeling like I've been doing this so long. I deserve this. And that's when Amazon just shut the the faucet off. You weren't able to sell junk anymore. You had to actually have a good product. And I was at a point where I'm not, I can't change. I have to stick to this. I have to make this work. I need new ranking services. I have to rank. And it really turned into a mess. So the following year, pretty much all the money I made was probably lost in giveaways and, and bad products that we invested in. So like I said in the beginning, I really learned off screwing up. So that was probably my biggest screw up. I almost put our family into bankruptcy. So I was able to dig my way out. And I almost have this like community of other entrepreneurs where they have a similar story where, man, I almost went bankrupt. And many did go bankrupt. And they were able to pull themselves out. Um, but it took a lot of hard work to get to today. So I bring you to today where it's really products for me. Like, what are people looking for? What are they searching for? Um, what's the trends? And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. I think Tim's got some cool stuff for you guys about like what's happening in the world. Um, so a lot of my success now is based off seasonal wants, um, seasonal needs, Christmas time. I've already put in all my orders for Valentine's Day. I have my conversations all ready to go. Conversation hearts. Remember the love you, kiss you, all that stuff. Um, my Christmas orders, a lot of the grocery orders are in. I put in like a $20,000 order just for one product every year. And it's a staple. Um, and it's funny, all the screw ups that I did have in the past really led to being able to determine what sells at what time. Yeah. How much should I order? Because a lot of people starting out are like, I don't know what the hell to even source. Like, there's millions of products out there. Yep. What do I order? What am I looking for? So for you, you found, you know, you've launched your own products, you sold private label stuff, but you've kind of wrapped back around to this reselling thing because what you're saying is there's so many opportunities to buy low and sell high essentially. So, you know, it started off with books and now, you know, you were telling me prior to us recording, you know, you showed me one of your products that I won't share, but uh, something yeah. that you found like uh, trending on a social media platform. And you said, you know, this year, just reselling this thing, you'll make a hundred thousand dollars off of it. You know, which is I made a hundred grand amazing. just off that one product, just off the one, and that's profit. That's not sales. That's not, you know, oh, it looks cool. Let me show you my numbers. That's and it's probably more than that. I'd say maybe one hundred fifty thousand, and I still have thousands of these in stock for Christmas. <laughs> nice. All right, so, so your whole objective in life right now in your business buy low, sell high, and you're doing that. And and your bread and butter is finding those opportunities. So you take your ADD brain, you let yourself run wild, you use different techniques. We won't share all your secret sauce to find these. So let's fast forward to 2020. All right. 2020 was crazy. I remember January and February, I was still going to events. I was out with, you know, in, in London and I was in New York and I was in San Francisco. I remember Francisco. seeing you. I was like, that. he's everywhere, man. Yep. What's he doing? And, uh, 
and we kept hearing this little rumor of this this virus from Wuhan, China. You know, and and, and I was in London at the end of February, and they're like, you know, London's going to become a hot spot. But I was looking around thinking. It, it doesn't seem like a hot spot. Like, like I don't, I don't know what the news is hyping up, you know, at the time. But, um, you know, it didn't feel like there was this global shift coming, this global pandemic. And at the same time, people started to panic. People started to worry, and people started to get scared, and people started to react. And I'm just going to look over my computer for a second. I want to uh, bring up a story that maybe a lot of you have heard. It's about the Colvin brothers from Tennessee. I think one of them lived in Nashville, one lived in Chattanooga. And they made headlines when they showed up in the New York Times on a story. And the story was basically talking about how they had almost 18,000 bottles, 18,000 bottles of hand sanitizer. Yeah, of hand sanitizer. And basically, they were in February and March going around buying up as many things as they could. They'd throw them up on Amazon. And they were making crazy amounts of money. And there would probably not be anybody know the two Colvin brothers, except they started bragging in media. Uh, they got a New York Times. I, I remember seeing Reuters articles, BBC articles. I remember an article in China talking about it, Yahoo News. Like Everybody was talking about these guys. Front page, this is national headlines. And I remember thinking to myself, holy cow, did these guys screw up? You know, One, they shouldn't have said anything. But two, I started having this question like, are they really the bad guys? You know, are, are they the bad guys? Because that's what we as entrepreneurs do when we sell products, we buy low and sell high. So I started having these questions pop up in my head, like, is this capitalism or is this fraud? Is this good business or is this taking advantage of a situation? And while these thoughts are going through my mind, I get a WhatsApp message from my buddy, Lance Wolf. <laughs> Lance, I remember that. I was all excited. And Lance was like, Holy crap, Tim, I got to show you something. And Lance started sending me screenshots where I'll let you tell the details, Lance. But basically, Lance, in his research methods, buy low, sell high. And, and just, just to defend Lance a little bit, this is before things were declared a state of emergency. This is before, you know, it was really a, a concern here in the U.S. Uh, there was just enough panic going on where people started buying hand sanitizer, but there wasn't a single U.S. death. I don't think there's a U.S. Uh, case. Lance caught this super, super early, and he's sending me these screenshots where, I don't remember, you were selling, like, you were buying hand sanitizer for, well, just, just, I want you to tell the story. Like, talk about how you first saw this opportunity, hand sanitizer, and just walk us through the craziness that ensued afterwards. So, before I say anything, we were talking about this, Tim and I, before this, this podcast began, and it's really a small percentage of people that have this this instinctual mindset um, about the way we perceive products and, and the way we look at things, you know, all around us. I'd, I'd say we're in the maybe 5%. That might be, you know, overestimating. I, I'd say like 5% of humanity thinks the way we think and how we see things. So here I am thinking, okay, here's an opportunity. And to this is early February, right? Oh yeah, yeah. This is this is. Um, I think the the actual emergency was like March fourteenth. It's funny. I know that exact date because that's when I knew to cut it off. <laughs> but we have this mindset. There's there's two ways to perceive this thing, and most of humanity, most people are going to say this is greed when you're selling products. And I don't even know if you got into this yet. But what we're going to talk about is how much is too much during 
when when there's a need, are you selling it for a price that's greedy, um, that's taking advantage of people? I guess that's pretty much what we're getting at right here. Um, and most people are going to say yes. I'd say 90, 95% of of humanity is going to be like, yeah, that's that's messed up. That's BS. Those of you that are listening, if any of you are starting to get – you know, really animated or emotional or hot about this topic. Let me say this, Lance, Lance and I are not here in this episode to present to you the answer. We are not saying what's right or wrong. We're not telling you the way things should be. What we're doing is, is we're even going to stay away. I'm at least I'm going to stay away from my opinion. All right. Let me say that. But (laughs) what I want to do is just talk about what happened. All right. So I just want to stick to the story. And as Lance is saying, like, there are very, very few people, and I will agree with this. There are very few people in the world that have that mindset of buy low, sell high, always looking for an opportunity. But there is a much larger percentage of the world that is immediately going to point fingers, make judgment, and have a sense of entitlement, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, and, that was, that was yeah. one that bothered me like yeah, crazy. Yeah. And, and, and I do think that there's a time and place where things are appropriate. You know, I worked in EMS for 10 years. I was a firefighter for 10 years. And um, I remember when the H1N1 scare came up, you know, we as first responders needed N95 masks and we couldn't get them. You know, global supply shortage, all that stuff is a problem. So again, I'm not defending, I'm not condoning, I'm not, you know, none of that. We're just having conversations. So I want to kind of kind of set set that level. So Lance, let's talk about, you know, January and February when you started seeing the demand for this hand sanitizer pop up and just tell us the story of what happened. Okay, so... I started seeing a, a demand for a lot of different things, specifically hand sanitizer. And I have people that I talk to a lot that, that sell the same items as me and, and Amazon sellers that I have all these partnerships with. So one seller that we pretty much talk every day and we're, we're like having a conversation. What do you think is going to be in need right now that because we think about this in, in season, so this is almost like a season situation, but it's not really a season. It's 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 a time of need for specific products. And he's like, well, they're talking about how sanitizer now is like this this like holy grail product that, that people think like it's going to protect me from this corona thing that we don't know anything about. So naturally, everybody's going to be ordering uh, sanitizer online. And they're going to be at the stores and they're going to see if they can find it so they can secure theirs. Now, okay, I'm safe. I got my sanitizer. So immediately I start looking at stores and I find some right away because I kind of got a head start on this. And I'm scanning these products. And again, I'm scanning to see what they're going for online, Amazon, eBay, different markets. And it's like, oh, my gosh, this eight ounce thing is of hand sanitizer selling for $49.99 and I'm paying two bucks. So, okay, I'm going to buy this and sell it. I mean, that that's the nature, you know, it's like, I've been doing this 14 years. The nature of my business is to find stuff like this. So I get all excited. I'm on Home Depot, uh, not Home Depot, uh, staples.com. I'm looking at places that other people aren't going to be looking um, I'm looking at Uline. I'm buying hand sanitizer like on Uline where you buy boxes. Um, and so I'm doing this. I'm sourcing dollar store. Nobody thinks to go to the dollar store. And let me take you back because I got ahead of myself. The reason I'm looking for these one-off stores is because like a week into this thing, 
I'm seeing that you can't even find hand sanitizer anywhere. Yeah, Walmart's out, Publix is out, all the all the big stores are out. So that's why you were finding these these kind of tier two stores that people weren't expecting to find it. Exactly. My wife calls. She's like, "Oh, me and um, me and a coworker were at Target, and they said that there's no hand sanitizer." I'm like, "Yeah, right. They they definitely have hand sanitizer." I get my car, drive to Target. Holy hell! There's no hand sanitizer. (laughs) This is crazy. So, like, first thought. All right. I've done this so long. I can find products. I know that like, like we said before, we're in that 5% to know how to get this done. So I'm going to get it done. I'm ordering them by the case, man. Like they, uh, the first week I had like probably 500, 600 bottles, which was worth 10, 15 grand. So right away I make a humongous amount of money off these things. And I'm thinking, okay, what else can I sell? Now I'm looking for any kind of like like Tylenols or every time the news would put something out, Advil's no good. Don't take Advil. Okay, avoid Advil. Price tanks on Advil. Um, get Tylenol. So I'm buying Tylenol and it's selling for $49.99, a $16 bottle of Tylenol. Um, I know we're talking about sanitizer, but I can't help to you know oh yeah pour it on us keep keep going (laughs) don't stop yeah i mean there's there's like um this kind of stuff you know like your your gummies but vitamin c this is energy but like the vitamin c stuff and it's just ridiculous so the sanitizer was the taboo product that's the one that caused all the hype and that brings us back to these brothers that you're that you brought up that were in the news for selling all this hand sanitizer And as I'm doing this, I'm starting to see like a trend that the the general population ain't for this thing. They're, they're pissed. They're like, I can't believe there's people out here taking advantage. I'm getting messages on Amazon. You deserve to die. I mean, horrible things. Like, I hope you burn in hell. (laughs) I'm like, man, I'm really a nice guy. Like, (laughs) this is crazy. I'm just doing like what's in my nature. I'm looking for discrepancies. I'm out. This was my argument which I don't really agree with now, but at the time I'm risking my life for these entitled people. I'm out here. Like I don't, nobody knows what this virus is about yet. Yeah. And so this, this is, is when there was man. so much speculation. Like, like if you go to Walmart, you're going to get coronavirus and die. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, yeah, so, exactly. so nobody's wearing a mask. And, and I, I remember a lot of people talked about that. I remember that the argument came up like, Hey, you know, this is price gouging. And other people were saying, well, you're calling it price gouging, but you're terrified to leave your home, right? Exactly. So, like, you're going to pay premium for me to get in my car, drive around every, you know, every hillbilly you know, dollar store and buy these <laughs> yeah, things you know for me. you. I was you in know? every hillbilly place. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, keep going. Yeah. So, it's like, I was so pissed off. I was like, oh, if I get another message. And I got some arguments. And I Look, I've been doing this 14 years. I've never been in, like a one-off tit-for-tat argument on Amazon. I'm very professional. I just refund everybody. But people were purposely ordering the product, and then they they would use COVID-19 as an excuse. Like, well, this is a pandemic. You know that, right? I could report you, right? I'm like, okay, refund. So I started to – it just, like, started to eat at me. And and then it led up to these guys getting in trouble. And then I see that – okay, this thing is really getting bad. Like this, this is really serious. They start wearing, requiring the mask. Um, 
So the, the actual cases to, start yeah. increasing in the U.S. People are actually getting sick. People are actually dying. And I remember seeing that transition with you. I remember you sending me messages the first time. You're sending me screenshots where you're bundling these like into six packs. And yeah, I don't know if you want to talk about how much you're selling them for, but it was an ungodly price. And I remember thinking, holy crap, Lance is making an absolute killing right here. Oh, it was it was like you're making 10 grand, 10 grand here, 10 grand there, you know, and it was it was ridiculous money. It felt it it just didn't feel like you know when you're doing something and you're like this isn't going to last or something wrong, you just feel it. Yeah. It just didn't feel right. It did not feel right. And I remember seeing felt- that. Like your messages, you were on a roll mm-hmm. and you were so excited about this like Tim, nobody realizes what, you know, uh, a cash cow this is. Like this is, you know, it's the gold rush. And I remember, you know, several days later, you send me another message that's toned down a little bit. And then a few days later, another day. And then after a while, you're like, dude, I'm in too deep. I don't know what to do. <laughs> this is getting bad. And then I see the, um, like your whole demeanor was changing. And then the Colvin brothers news story came out. And I remember as soon as I read that story, I messaged you and I'm like, dude, how's that hand sign? And how's your stuff going? And I remember you read them. You, I saw you read the message. And then no response for a long time. And then after a long time, you respond, you're like, dude, I got to get out of this. <laughs> like, like, I need an intervention. I got to stop, right? Yeah, I'm like, I'm done, man. This is crazy. And you know what they did wrong, those brothers? They didn't stop. Like, I remember the state of emergency was called, like, March 4th, maybe. March, for some reason, I'm thinking 4 or 14, March 4th or 14th. But I, I stopped selling these, like, the day before in anticipation of this emergency because I kind of started to hear rumors that they're going to call this emergency. And I did it even before my state called the emergency. Then they had the national emergency. So that was, that was the, the, the main thing that, that really helped me. Um, that was, you know, that I didn't get in trouble like these dudes because they were doing it probably like a couple weeks after that. Um, and it was almost something where, it's like you just got to stop. You can't help yourself. Like you just grab the sanitizer. You're like, no, I don't want to get any more, but you can't help yourself. But I had to use that discipline. And then I got the letter. I got a letter from the PA state attorney. Um, and I was able to document everything showing that there was no sales after um, this specific date. And I refunded every damn customer. <laughs> I went through refund, 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 refund. So I didn't make a dollar. That's that's the end of the story. I didn't make anything off this stuff. And I could show you all. I could share screens right now and show you how I refunded everybody. But I never was, heard that part was, of the story. You never told me you refunded everybody. I, I prom- It was so sad. Like, my heart was just broken. I'm just like, refund. This is horrible. Refund. <laughs> and they kept it. Everybody got to keep their hand sanitizer. Um, but the most important thing I forgot to bring up is after that emergency hit, I still had a humongous supply. I had like thousands of dollars worth of sanitizer. And my wife is considered essential. She works at a hospital. She works HR. Um, she p- repositions employees. And she, you know, she, she has a big part in this whole thing, even though she's not wearing a mask and doing surgery on people. Um, so I donated like thousands of dollars of sanitizer to the hospital. And they didn't have any. I mean, they had like minimum. They had to have something. It's a hospital, but they really needed it. And they were really grateful for it. And then I took it a step further with the Chinese. Remember the connection you gave me from China? 
and I ordered a bunch of masks and it was like, I started to feel good about myself. I'm like, all right, I'm rewriting the wrongs. I never really felt like I did something that was so terrible because I do believe in capitalism. Um, I'm more on the conservative end and this isn't political. I'm just trying to like, you know, let people know how I feel about the whole thing. Um, and I really think the supply would, would not have been so short if people practice capitalism um, just because it, it takes a lot of people out of play that don't want to pay higher prices and availability is still there. And it, it's never going to happen though, because people don't agree with us. And once I saw that nobody is agreeing with me, whether I'm right or wrong, that's it. I just had to stop doing it. Yeah. The perception becomes reality. Perception. Exactly. So I didn't so, even, I didn't know that. So you were actually uh, sourcing masks to, to donate. So you were buying masks straight out of China. You couldn't get them. I never sold one mask on Amazon, but I knew that I asked my wife, I was like, what's the need? She said, we need the surgical gowns. We need the mask. And I reached out to you. I think at one point I was like, you have any connections? And you were working on a connection for me to donate masks. Um, and I ended up finding some domestic connections. And then I had some sent in from China as well. Um, so I was able to, to play a positive role in this whole pandemic in a way. Um, but it, it started to become addicting. Just like I was addicted to the sanitizer, I was addicted to helping people. I'm like, man, what else can I bring in? Well, it's almost like on Schindler's List when he rips that patch off. He's like, this was one more person. I, I always tell my wife, I was like, I feel like Schindler's List, you know? <laughs> I was so excited. I, you know me, like I'll go from one thing to the other. Like, okay, now this is me. No, now this is me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so let's kind of recap your thoughts about the whole situation now. Let, let's talk about that for a second. When people uh, approach you and ask you, hey, what have you sold online? Did you sell hand sanitizer? Your initial thought, are you like, oh, oh crap, now I have to explain myself? Or are you more open about it? Are you, you know, more excited about that concept of capitalism? Like, are you, are you ashamed of, of potentially profiting off of this? Or do you still think that like, hey, you did what you're supposed to do, which is buy low and sell high? Like, looking back, are you, uh, and, and let's, let's not even talk about you refunding everybody. Like, do you feel like, you were intentionally doing wrong? Do you feel like you were unintentionally doing wrong that you had to make right? Or do you think that you were out of place to begin with to start selling this stuff when you knew that it was in demand? I think my intentions initially were what I, I do instinctually. You know, my intentions were finding product and, and making a profit off it. And I most felt like, just like these people were entitled to what they deserve. I felt like I was entitled to that profit in a way because I kept having this thought about me risking my life in the stores and, and Hey, I'm the hero providing you the hand sanitizer for five, six, seven times the price. Right. Um, so I definitely, now that I look back at it, I still don't feel like, um, it was horrible because I do believe in capitalism. I think if everybody practiced that, um, I think there would be less of a shortage. There would have been a lot of supplies available, but I do see why people get upset. Like the example you brought up with how you're in, in need of a N95 mask, you know? So 
That's why you can't make everybody happy. That's why politics don't work. That's why people are always fighting because everybody has a different interest. People were in desperate need of these sanitizers and they don't think like us. They're not like, oh, let me go to Walmart and grab a hundred of these because they're probably going to be sold out. They expect that stuff to be there. We don't. We know like anytime something happens when Christmas comes, when Halloween, whatever season, the the items that are geared around that holiday are going to be gone by the time that holiday approaches. Well, like the Hatchimals. Remember a couple of years ago, the Hatchimals, when we knew that Hatchimals are going to be the hot toy and... I remember, you know, like, like watching, like, like you've got successful Q4 groups, right? That, that yeah, you have people yeah. sign up for these, these, uh, they're Bolo called Bolo groups, right? Like, and you guys work together to find these opportunities and everybody profits. And I remember watching like these Bolo groups, people talking about the Hatchimals and there were guys literally getting in U-Haul trucks and driving around and buying, you know, thousands of Hatchimals in October that they were going to resell on Amazon in December. And I remember there was some public outcry about that because these guys were hoarding the the supply and buying the Hatchimals. And then what goes from a $50 item is now 250 on Amazon two weeks before Christmas because the people that had procrastinated and couldn't get them were willing to pay that because they promised their kid a Hatchimal. But I don't remember seeing them villainized. So at what point does, you know, does a product move from, oh, this is a and maybe I'm about to answer the question myself. Like, this is a non-essential thing. This is a luxury. This is a, a Nintendo Switch. This is a Hatchimal. This is, you know, this is the the turkey-flavored candy corns. <laughs> you know, like, that's all right <laughs> and, You know, nobody really cares about this stuff for life as opposed to, hey, this is the difference between, like, potentially life and death. This is medicine. This is diabetes drugs, you know, like moving away from e-commerce, but like, but these expensive diabetes drugs all the way to, you know, the hand sanitizers and the masks and the face shields. Do you think that everybody should have the same like dividing line of what this is essential or one this is not? And do you think that if it's a toy or something, it's fair game? You know, this isn't essential to life or health or security, man. Jack that price up. If someone promised their kid a Hatchimal and they're just shopping four days before Christmas, they're going to pay 300 bucks for this. You feel like that's fair game completely when it comes to buy, sell, or high, there are no rules, right? Absolutely. 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 And yeah. then and then when it comes to but, – but at what point do you have to throttle back and say, ooh, like I, I, I can't get away with that on this? Like, like where – retrospectively, you know, you look back at, at 2020 and you've seen what happened. You've seen what you've done. You're going to make decisions going forward you know, the rest of your life, when other situations come up, how are you going to define when it's fair game and when it's not? You know what? I, I definitely learned like, for the record, I totally regret selling sanitizer. And here's the reason why we've never been through a pandemic like this. It's since what the 1918 thing. And I don't even think people were as fearful then because the media wasn't like, in action like it is now where everywhere you look, you get another update. Um, so I definitely regret that I sold the sanitizer, but I didn't really, I've never been in a situation like that. It wasn't something I, I could mentally prepare for. And if I would have had the hindsight where I knew like the egregiousness of, of what was going on, I would have never sold that stuff because now I see just having my wife in the hospital and, and seeing how real this thing was, like, I'm never selling sanitizer again. I'm, even if it's not a pandemic, I'm staying away from that crap. But 
it, it, it did teach me a lesson. Um, some things are hands off. Some things we can't we can't sell. But guess what? I'm going to sell that damn toy for a million times the price if I have the opportunity, because that's not an essential. Um, there's so much value in in the production of toys and the manufacturing of a product that has limited runs that we're very aware of. Again, most of the population doesn't, they think things magically appear in the store like, Oh, a unicorn stock to shelf. Everything's here. You know, they don't understand the logistics of, of the Chinese holidays, the, the things that, that, you know, like uh, the cargo ship, when it comes over, it takes three months to prepare. And they think it's funny when the Halloween stuff out, like in August, like, why is it out? Well, you don't understand logistics. That's why you're asking that question. Um, these these stores have a certain amount of time to sell these products. So to answer your question, I'll never sell sanitizer again. I learned a, a humongous lesson about a pandemic, which I've never seen in my lifetime. My parents have never seen. But I'm going to sell that toy or any product I can find that's that's not during a pandemic for X amount of price because I think that's very fair. I do too. So uh, the in the previous episode of AMPM, we had another arbitrage guy that was uh, talking, you know, talking about the state of 2020. You've had a, uh, an interesting year. You've had a lot of ups, downs. You've had ups that became downs. You refunded everybody for these. You know, <laughs> refunded every stinking person. <laughs> but are you still excited about 2020 e-com coming up? We're about to, to enter into Q4. You know, we're, we're weeks away from Q4 or two weeks away, one week away from Q4. You feel like this is going to be your biggest year? This this is already, man. I'm already up to 900,000 in sales. Um, I'm not bragging, you know, like obviously all the crap. I Like a couple years ago, I was like $150,000 of debt. So believe me, I'm not a bragger. I'm actually like proud of how far I've come along. And I want my situation, everything I've been through, to maybe it can be inspiration to somebody watching this right now. If you're passionate about something um, and knowledgeable about about something that you spend a lot of time on, you can you can get through whatever hardship you're going through, um, and you can press on, man. Like it was, I was ready to quit plenty of times. Um, but to answer your question, 2020 is so awesome, um, mostly because of the market confusion from the coronavirus. And I hate to say that because so many people have died. I'm not applauding that. You know, um, we have friends of friends that have they had to say like bye to their their father and, and grandparents through glass. They couldn't even touch and feel them, you know? Um, it's just a horrible thing. But in terms of, of you know, products and, and the way things are manufactured and, and the delays and confusion in the market, it's been the best year of my life um, as far as e-commerce. Everybody is is buying online now. <laughs> it's crazy. And I've heard a lot of people say that the that the model of of flipping of reselling of arbitrage is dead. Would you disagree yeah. with that? You know what? I don't I don't focus all my energy on one thing. Um, it's cer- certainly not dead, just because. And it's not even because of the market confusion. It's just because of the manufacturers' runs of of products and they the way they bring in product. They can't perfectly guess how many people are going to buy it, what the demand's going to be. So there's always going to be discrepancies um, as far as like, you know, loopholes in, in a product of, 
something that was manufactured last year and it makes its way to a big lots or like a, you know, a discount store. Um, there's obviously a lot of value in that because it's not being produced anymore. So that's really where a lot of the profit comes from with RA. And if somebody wanted to get started in arbitrage, I know that you've got some resources for that. Um, anybody that's interested in following somebody that knows what they're doing, obviously that, that does have a conscious, which uh, we've, we've made very, yeah. <laughs> very clear on I this episode. One. I, I learned um, how to get one, right? <laughs> track, track down Lance and follow what he's doing. He has, uh, some really cool opportunities for arbitrage that are network and community driven. These, uh, these WhatsApp groups, these Bolo buyout, you know, uh, be on the lookout groups where they literally form these small cohorts and they help each other, uh, you know, finding uh, these profitable opportunities, uh, you know, specific to Q4. So Lance, if, if people wanted to find out more about what you have going on or, or get involved in one of these groups, how do they go about doing that? Um, it's the group is balance. I believe it's balanceq4.com. Um, I'm pretty sure it's Barrington, Barrington, my, um, business partner. We, we've done so many of these groups together over the years. Um, he runs like a lot of the, the resources as far as like where to go, the website, but I think it's balance your Q4 or balance Q4.com. Or you guys look um, up Lance Wolf on Facebook, send him a message and ask me him how to get Facebook. Him. You'll find me. And I, yeah. You'll you find know. him on there. And, uh, Mr. And get Technical here. I'm like, I don't know where the hell my, my stuff is. Just come find <laughs> You me. don't even know your own website. <laughs> I'm just like looking for products. I, I love it. Information's fun, but man, my passion is this. I love <laughs> selling and not talking about selling. I love selling. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for uh, for coming on, Lance. I know that we've we've wanted to do this for a while. We've had to reschedule, and this is one of the more exciting episodes of the year that I wanted to talk about. This is good stuff. You've shared uh, a lot of information, but also just a lot of provocative, you know, thought material stuff that you know wh- when I get on a wild you know, rabbit trail of contemplation, you know, laying in bed at night, I can't sleep. I like to think about this stuff, this, you know, is this wrong? Is this right? You know, where does capitalism become greed or where does capitalism become wrong? And understanding your story and hearing your story, I think that you've actually cleared up some of those thoughts in my head. So I appreciate it. And I suspect that some of the listeners, maybe some of you are excited about finding these hand sanitizer opportunities. Some of you hate Lance's guts. I think that a lot of you though, have, have probably got some insight into a real world scenario into, you know, like a first person account of this hot topic that came up. And uh, maybe most of you listening have not had that opportunity to, to hear a candid storytelling of that, which I think is super valuable. So again, I've said it before, if you guys would uh, leave a review on this podcast, whatever platform that you're listening to, that helps us, you know, rank and, and get the message out and get this content out to more people. Uh, thumbs up it on YouTube. If you have a question or if you have a comment about this and you're watching it on YouTube, comment below. And if it's a question we need to ask Lance, I'll pass that uh, pass it on him because we now know he's not going to be paying attention to uh, to the YouTube comments. But we'll track that we'll track that information down for you guys. And Lance, thank you so much for being on. I appreciate all the information. Appreciate the the inspiration you've given as well. And man, good luck this Q4. It's going to be huge. Really honored to be on here. You guys have had a lot of big hitters on here, so. Just to be in this space and be able to share my story is really, I'm really grateful. Great. It's mutually beneficial for all of us. That's the way it's supposed to be. All right. Thank you all for listening to this episode. We'll see you on the next one at the AMPM podcast.